Praise God. Well, uh, why don't you turn over to Ephesians 6, verse 1, if you have your Bibles. You know, it's always good. I mean, if, it's not a bad thing to still bring your Bible to church. Yes, we put it up on the screen, but it's good to, to lay your, hand, your eyes on it. Um, you know, certain verses, we'll, we'll stop it. Other times, we sometimes jump around, but it's a good exercise anyway. Um, it's always good. Sometimes you think you know what a verse says, and then you look at it and go, wait a minute. I thought I was quoting that wrong, or I always heard it wrong. I have something specific on my heart this morning. Let's, uh, actually, we're not going to go to Ephesians 6 first. We're going to go to Matthew twenty two thirty five, and then we'll come back. Matthew twenty two thirty five. it says, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. In Colossians 3, verse 17. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or in deed. Well, that would include pretty much everything that we're doing. Uh, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Look at Romans 12, verse 1. Just reading a few verses and I'm going to say some things and then move on. What we have... uh, For this morning, it says in Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we read, you don't have to put these up again, but we read, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind. Colossians said, whatever you do, indeed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here it says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It said, you present your bodies a living sacrifice Unto God. Let's read one more. Uh, let's read Ephesians 6, verse 1. I'll make some comments and we'll move on. It says, Children, obey your parents in the, the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mon- mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So it says, children, obey your your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So notice, Jesus is saying, the things we read, Jesus is saying, you you serve God with everything you have. Say in Colossians, do everything uh, as unto the Lord Jesus. Don't be conformed to this world. And then here it starts talking about, Parents and children, we're going to talk more about that. But, you know, as we're getting into the fall, you know, we talk about it all the time. You know, it's just like, okay, you know, it's a different level of routine for most people. If you have children or sometimes if your business is like that, sometimes things are seasonal or whatever. But just, you know, the summer, there's the summertime and sometimes that's a different time, especially I know if you have kids. And we're going to be talking about that specifically something, but it applies to every area. But, you know... As we're getting going and there's a routine and there's activities happening and there's all this stuff going on. As we're doing that, we ought to very much have in mind and in the forefront of our perspective that we are, as Christians, number one, we are to serve God in everything we do. Now, it should go without saying, (laughs) but... As we get going with stuff, you know, sometimes summer's a little bit of a break. We're doing different things. Sometimes it's busier than ever. But when, you, when you're starting to put things in place and you're moving things into your schedule and you're moving things in your, your routine again, we ought to be having it forefront in our, our understanding. I am serving the Lord. What does my schedule reflect? 
What do my priorities that I'm putting into my, as time blocks, what does that reflect? Does it reflect that he is on the throne, that he's number one in my life? Or does it reflect now, I, I, you know, I'm busy. I have stuff that I need to do, and it's the fall, and you understand. Well, who understands? What does that mean? I'm busy. It, just take a step back. And if we're, if we're looking at this earth, I mean, this, this life on earth and this realm that we're in, what, what, what are we doing here? We're, we're to be serving as Christians the Almighty. Amen? Everything is, we read in Colossians, do everything that you do. It said, do, do it in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means everything you, knew, you do is subjected to him. Well, as we're getting going again, we ought to seriously look at the different time blocks because how we spend our time is going to depend on where is going to determine where our life goes, right? So if we say, "Oh Lord, you're my Lord, oh, you have all," and then we look at our schedule and there's no time, it's not really centered around God. It's now it's centered around other stuff. Well, you know where your life's going to drift, right? With that other stuff, we shouldn't deceive ourselves. Our priorities are where we put our time. Amen. What we spend, it, other everything else is, is just talk. It's just it's just lip service. And so we live in a world that does not serve God, by and large. Thank God, uh, we are changing that in our area. Right? There's people all over the world that that we are are sharing the word of God. We're sharing the gospel. We're living before people, but we ought to be different. We shouldn't, we shouldn't look and go, well, everybody else is, you know, involved in this and this and busy. So that's what I have to do. What is the, who is the world serving and what is the world serving? Well, I mean, that's, you don't have to answer that question. We know it's all kinds of things. But ultimately, if it's not God, whether they know it or not, they're moving in the direction of the God of this world, which is the devil. And, and he's, he's okay with people just being lukewarm and doing nothing. He's okay. Not the enemy. The devil doesn't try to just get everybody directly into worshiping Satan, Satan, doing Satanism. Most people are not going to do that, but they will worship money. They'll worship stuff. They'll worship busyness. They'll worship activities. They'll worship intellectualism. They'll worship education, anything just to get them to kind of be out of the game. You realize in dark in countries where the gospel isn't preached as much, the Satan's power is much more prominent. You see it in, in a certain way. You see it in the actual darkness. You see it in satanic worship. But where the gospel is known, Satan kind of goes in the background and he, it's more subtle. He's just, oh, well, yeah, of course, that's, that's backwards. We don't, we don't that, you know, in other countries, they're just not developed. They, they don't, we don't do that here. But subtly, he'll just distract people. Oh, we'll do this and that. And they think they're all educated and all advanced and they're just... Sidelined. It's really subtle. It doesn't, well, I'm not serving the devil. Well, what are we serving? So as we're coming into the, this fall, I just had it on my heart. When we're looking at our priorities and what we're modeling, I want to specifically talk about what are we modeling when it comes to our children. Now, you know, if you don't have children, it still applies to you in a measure. You're part of a church family and just look around. There are children back there. There are children. There are younger or young adults and, and older uh, teenagers here. You are a model whether you know it or not. And so don't well, check out. This is, doesn't apply to me. No, it applies to everybody because it applies to everybody you and come in contact with. You might be talking. You might come in contact with somebody uh, it just, you know, outside of church. We're supposed to be reaching into our communities that uh, they have children. And you want to know, well, what does the Bible say concerning certain things? And, and you're because you're a light wherever you go. You're a light. to You might. You know, you're, you're bumping into somebody and they have children. You have a friend and they have children. You're a light to that child. You're a light wherever you go as a Christian. So this is something uh, that applies to everybody. You might ha have children, you know, in the home. You might have grandchildren. It you know, applies to you. What do we, um, 
how do, what are we modeling for them? And when we talk about schedules, so we're going into this fall. Yes, it applies to everybody. Everybody has a schedule. But I want to talk some this morning about specifically what do, how are we spending our time and how does it affect um, what we're modeling for our kids? What, what, what do we emphasize? What do we say by where we spend our time and how we make decisions what is important? Because people, kids are going to do what we do. They don't do what we say. They can do what you say, but ultimately they're watching something modeled and modeled and modeled. Then they hear words come out of our mouth, but then it's just like, yeah, this is really, church is really important. Not church, but God. God, church is just us getting together. God is really important, but then they don't ever see us uh, interacting as a family or focusing on the Lord. And then when there's a push, you know, if there's a decision between a sporting event or something that's, you know, church or whatever, or something that's a godly thing, well, the sporting event is always chosen. It doesn't matter what we say. In their minds, God is important until there's a sporting event, then that trumps it. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't, it doesn't matter, because that, that is de facto what happens. And this is not... You know, we're not talking about anything, any area specifically. We're just looking at these things in general that we, it's just a time of reflection. Sometimes the only, some people, and I do this too, as we go into the new year, um, good time to reflect. Well, going into the fall, I mean, the fall is a lot of times when things start. You know, sometimes the new year is like, yeah, it's a new year. We're starting, but you're kind of in the middle of whatever you started in September. And that ends in May, you know, school's one of them. Uh, a lot of people, you know, businesses and things are another. But let's look back at Ephesians 6, verse 1. You guys okay? Praise God. Because we just, you know, we read in Romans that we don't want to be um, con- conformed to this world. It's real easy to do that. It's real easy. All you have to do is wake up, just look, just go with the flow, and you'll just be conformed to this world. You'll just, you'll just hey, they're doing this and they're doing... And you know, society and culture is drifting further and further away from the truth. That's just a fact. Jesus, it, the, the Bible says that it's going to get darker and darker. The light's going to get brighter and brighter. Why would the light get brighter and brighter? Because everything around it's dark. So we're not supposed to go, well, this is what everybody else is, do, is doing. So I'll just go with them and it's just getting worse and worse. And we're just, oh, well, you know, everybody's, all my kids' friends and all my peers, that's what they do. So I'll just go with them. And pretty soon we're so far away from the truth that we're not even recognizable. It's not supposed to be the case. We're supposed to live different. Amen? So we need to know that because Satan's subtle. He's subtle in how he he influences and in culture. And it's so easy to be like, well, you know, I see everybody else doing this and this must be the way it's done. And you get the results that everybody else is getting. Ephesians 6 verse 4, or 1, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord... For this is right. Notice that first part. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Right there. Children, obey. That is not even politically correct a lot of times. Oh, obey. If I, that word, obey, how many times do you hear that normally in our culture anymore? Obey. You talk about school, obey me. What? obey you? Who are you? I'm the instructor. I'm over you. It used to be, you're going to the principal's office and that meant something. When I was growing up, if I had to go to Miss Landholm's office when I was in elementary school or somebody did, you did not want to be in Miss Landholm's office. You didn't want to be in the principal's office. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It wasn't like, well, we just can't do anything with you. We'll just, we're handcuffed. Heaven forbid we tell the, the child to do anything that they don't want to do, to throw a fit and then call the parents. The parents will come in and chew out the teacher. That did not happen. If, you, if, if, peop, if my parents found out that the teacher wasn't pleased, then I had problems in two places. At, at school and then at home. And I had to go back. I remember I said something to my third grade teacher. I wasn't nice to her. Not going to say her name, you know. I don't know if she's still around or not, but I, I wasn't nice to her. I kind of sassed her. 
I had to go back and apologize. And she liked me, but I was just kind of, you know, I just, I don't know what was going on. I was just, she said something and I said something back and just kind of sassy. And my parents were like, what? I had to apologize to her. And she was like, Jim, you know better than that. My teacher, she's like, she was hurt. It's true. Well, a lot of times now it's like, how dare you talk to my child that way? Don't. I mean, just saying, sit down. What? Do your work. Don't talk. Put your phone away. And kids are like, what? I don't have to do that. I don't have to listen to you. No, it says obey. Notice it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Well, it starts at home. And if people are not uh, training their children at home, it's no wonder we have all this in school. Because you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't be, uh, kids would know that they're supposed to obey their teachers at school if they had to obey at home. Good night. I, I don't watch, I haven't been on like Instagram for a long time, but I was looking at some stuff, you know, sometimes like Brian or Andrew or Shelly will have a little group thing that if somebody sees something that they're funny, you know, they'll send it to all of us. Um, and there was something I was going back on, back and looking. And this guy, I mean, if you've seen this video, I'm sure there's a lot of them bought with it, like it. But this, this, this dad was like, hey, and he, you know, he's, he's, he's filming himself and he's like, I'm making a, a sandwich for my daughter. She asked for a peanut, it, and it was some other name, but her name for peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, you know, butter and jelly sandwich or something. He's like, that means peanut butter and jelly. I made her one, and here it is, but I'm going to go tell her it's this other one, and we're going to get her reaction. And she's two, two-ish or something. He goes in the other room, and he's like, hey, you know, whatever her name is, made your peanut butter sandwich and puts it down. It's just like a piece of bread or it's just a piece of bread with nothing in it. It was cheese. She threw the biggest fit. She was like, what? This is not my sandwich. What? No. Just going in and sandwich. And, he, and he's laughing about it. And then he goes, uh, well, no, I, that's not the right sandwich. Here's your sandwich. And she's like, oh, yeah, that one, and puts it down. And she's like, are you okay? And like, yeah, yeah, that's one. And, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, princess. And I'm like, that child, that's not funny. It was supposed to be funny. Now, I'm not saying this in a big judgmental way. I'm saying this child threw the biggest fit over not having the right sandwich. When that child is 15 or 16, or 18, it's not going to be cute, the, 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 the um, fits. When they're 25, when they're married, what are you telling them? Everything revolves around you, sweet pea. Boy, you don't get your way. It's okay to just throw a fit. It's not okay. <laughs> you guys okay this morning? This is what I got. We don't need, because this is what you get, this is what you see, right? Like, you hear this stuff, you see this stuff on social media, it's okay. Oh, poor little child, instead of, son, daughter, buck up. Honey, sweet pea, world doesn't revolve around you. No, you don't have to be mean about it, but come on. Everything is, you're going you're gonna to run into people that don't cater to you in the world. And then you're like, they're mean. No, they're just trying to get you to do a job. They're just, they're just asking you to sit down, be quiet in class so that we can get something done. They're mean to me. No, they're not. It's just called obeying. It's okay. Good night. First verse here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father. Don't sass them out. Don't call them stupid. Don't just act like, well, I'm gonna, I don't have to obey you. Yes, you do. In this house, you do. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. It's saying that it's a commandment. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you. you we're supposed to be instilling godly principles into our children. They're supposed to listen to us. That's not 
You're not supposed to be a dictator that's mean to them, but it is okay to say, tell them to do something, and then the reason is because I said so. See, people are like, oh, no, you got to reason with them. Reason with a two-year-old? Have you ever tried it? An 18-month-old, they don't reason. Three-year-old, they don't reason. No, sometimes is they, the, the reason is I said so, and you need to obey because you can't understand why. You don't understand everything. You, don't, you can't intellectually grasp why I'm telling you to do this. But if you'll do it, you'll be blessed. The Bible doesn't say, you know, reason with your three and four and five-year-old. Get them to understand it so that they can see in their world whether they think they should do it or not. You know as well as I do the majority of stuff they are not going to do. They're just going to do whatever their little flesh wants to do. And it goes for teenagers as well. Verse 4. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. So that's a, and it goes with mothers too. Don't, don't be so hard on them that you discourage them. So no, we're not talking about that. But gosh, we're so far over here where people don't do anything with their children. I'm talking about in society, and we're talking about don't let that be the model. What we're doing right now is let's hold up the standard and say, oh, well, okay, maybe we need to go step back toward God a little bit. Not just, well, gosh, this is what I see everybody else doing. Yeah, and everybody else is not looking to the Bible as their source. So no, you don't, you don't berate your child. You don't uh, discourage them or anything. No, we're not talking about that. A, a healthy uh, instruction and in a healthy direction is what we're supposed to do as parents. We're not talking about abuse. It's just that a lot of stuff that's just healthy instruction is labeled abuse now, and it's crazy. Do not, do not provoke, uh, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. In the NIV, it says, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So what are we, what are we doing? We're bringing them along in the instruction of the Lord. We're, 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 we're putting God first and training them to come with us. That our family is centered around him. In Amplified Classic, it says, But rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. Rear them, ten notice it says, it doesn't say you just crush their spirit. And we're not talking about that. Is that a different? I have the Amplified Classic. Did I, put, did I write the wrong one down? Maybe I write, wrote the Amplified. I'll read what you have. Do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them. Okay, that's part, I have it. Tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. Notice training, discipline, counsel, and admonition of the Lord. It's all to serve God. It's all to serve Him, saying... You know, son, daughter, this is not going to help you in your walk. This is not going to bring you where you need to be. If I, if I let you do this, you know it's sometimes so much easier just to not correct your kids. Parents, is that true or not? Is it easier to give them the iPad all day for five hours or, or to, to put some discipline into it so that they don't do that? Which is easier? It's easier just to say, you know what? I'm going to get work done here. Take this, knock yourself out. I'll come back in five hours. Is that good for the child? No, it's not good, but it's easy. It's easier to do it that way. It, it takes more effort to put in boundaries for chi children and uh, teens and to monitor them and to bring them along and to help them see what they actually need to do and not let them get into stuff. Everybody's seen this movie. It's just, I mean, yeah, but it's got all this junk in it. No, you're not going to watch it. Yeah, but no. Why? Because I just mean it'd be easier to say, whatever, go, go watch the movie. And then you're exposing them to stuff that they don't need to see. It's, it's, it's harder to, to walk that line and fight the battle if you need to with their will and your will. And that's why they need to obey. They need to understand that they need to obey. They need to understand why they're doing stuff as they grow older. 
You can reason with a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old. You don't have to blindly like daddy, mommy said so. Sometimes you may have to give that answer. But as they can comprehend, yes, you can tell them, look, I'm not just telling you not to do this, just to not do it. If you do this, and you can be more blunt as they can handle it. Look, if you do that, you're going to be exposed to stuff that's going to hurt you later in life. You get involved in that, yeah, it's fun for a night. And then you're going to mess up your future relationships. You're going to mess up your body. It's not good for you. It's not going to help. Yeah, great. It's fun for the time you're partying until it's not fun because you reap the consequences of those actions. You can have frank conversations with them as they can handle it. But if they don't need to know, you're just like, I can't explain it to you. Just obey. And sometimes you just need to, even the older kids, look, I said so, do it. Don't make it so that they have to have a reason before they decide to obey you. Don't make it like put it in their hands, but that means in your instruction, you can, you can walk with them and say, look, I'm not talking about being mean. I'm saying if, if, they're, if they're coming at you, you can, you can assert your authority. But if you're just talking, you can talk to them and look, I'm not putting these things in for your hurt. I'm telling you these things because I want you to do well in life. I don't want these things to get a hook in you that are going to be hard to get out later in life. I'm trying to help you. And as they understand that more as they grow, there's a trust there. And they can, they can um, even though they have to put their flesh down, their natural desires down, they, they can understand that you're not just doing it ad hoc. You're not just pulling it out of air. You're doing it because you love them. And you're training them the way God would have you to uh, train them. Look at De- Deuteronomy 6. Verse 6, let's just look at it in the NLT. Just jump to the NLT for the sake of time. It says, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and you are, when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your, your house and on your gates. Notice what this is saying, and this goes with what we're talking about as far as how we uh, prioritize and how we uh, make our schedules and, and add activities. It says, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Diligent, that means you, you don't give up. You, you diligently do it. It means it's a process, right? It's not just once. Don't you wish it was just once? <laughs> Parents, don't you wish you just, here's the... Here's, Here's the, the directions for this year. Here you go. You are now entering eighth grade. Okay, here's the eighth grade handbook. Dun, 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 dun. You got it? Good? We good? All right. Won't have a problem with that all year. It says diligently, so you're modeling, you're bringing, you're course correcting. You just, you're just bringing them back. You know, we heard this um, early on, you know, especially when kids are younger. Uh, I believe this applies later as they're going, but as they're, they're going, they're growing, um, early on, they hit these jump places where they, they'll get, you know, like they go from two, two and a half, let's say three, all at three, they're just all of a sudden their cognitive ability. I'm just using that as an example. I don't know where exactly the jumps are, but it like jumps up to, well, they understand more. So then they have new boundaries that they, they try to test. So all of a sudden you're not having trouble with them. And all of a sudden you hit this and like, what, what just happened? They're trying this stuff because they've reached another level and they're testing it at that level. But you just hold the course. No, 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 we don't do that. You channel them back in and they stabilize. And then, but they'll hit another jump up to where you're like, wait a minute, it, just mark it. They're going through a, a, a cognitive jump and they're understanding more. And so they're going to test things that maybe they weren't testing a little bit ago. And as, peop- as kids get up into pre-adolescence and adolescence, same thing. They start seeing stuff. Their friends start talking. Of course, it's so important who their friends are. You have to monitor that. You have to monitor their social media. You have to monitor their time on devices. You can't just say, here, do whatever. We, we get diligently teaching them and, and helping them. It says, you shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you... Oh, excuse me, I'm reading the wrong version. Uh, let me read NLT. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Again and again. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, 
when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. What we'd say, put them on your phone, put them on your screensaver, put them, you know, on your background. Put them on your your, uh, mirror in the bathroom. Put them on your your, uh, mirror in your room or on your your, um, closet. Remind them. Just make it so that you're seeing some of these things. Write, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Put it on your refrigerator. Well, as we're doing that, we're also we're, we're, uh, putting that then into our schedule. Hey, you know, somebody said it like this a long time ago. Put the big rocks into your schedule first. And it has a whole illustration about, um, it'll just say it quick, you know, there was this teacher, and uh, this is a real illustration. You know, you have a, a glass bowl, one of those big uh, glass um, jar, like let's say huge jar that um, pickles came in or whatever, you know, big, like that. And he took it, and he took a bunch of big rocks like this, and he put rocks in there till it was up to the brim, and he asked the class, is this full? Is, is the jar full? And they said, yes. And then he proceeded to take smaller rocks and then put them in. They went, of course, all around the, the bigger rocks. And he said, well, now is it full? And they're like, yeah, now it's full. And, of course, and then he takes and he starts putting, like, sand in there. And the sand goes in and fills all the cracks by the big rocks and by the, the pebbles. And he goes, is it full now? Now the kids are like, yeah, you probably got something else under your sleep. <laughs> I don't know if I want to say yes, but it looks full, but whatever. And then he takes water. And puts it in there, and that fills up everything. Now is it full? Yeah, that's pretty much full. Well, those rocks represent the very important things in your life. You put them in first. So it's your family. It's God first. It's your family. It's your spouse. It's, it's the things that you, when you look back, you want to have done for sure. Your health, all that. Now the next, the next level are the next most important things that you put in those next and then it goes down. The water is just the stuff that just is time, just coming up. If you try to fit in the big rocks when you've already put in water, what happens? Everything just comes right out. If you try to do it when you've already put sand, you can't get anything in there. Why? You've already filled it up with stuff that is inconsequential, but you're busy all the time. You can't do it the other way around. You have to put the big things in first. And as we're going forward, we have to say, what, what does my schedule look like and how am I going to think about it in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? When my kids look back, what am I trying to produce and what do I want to put in now so that it's there? And that will inform you to backtrack and maybe there's some things that you need to cut out and change. I'll give you an example. You know, everybody has a different life, so we're not prescribing any kind of pattern, okay? It's, you have to go. See, it's a personal responsibility between you and God as a parent. You go before God and say, Lord, well, how does this look for my family? Because my family might look different from somebody else's family, okay? You, you, you need, it's a personal responsibility. How do I do this? My schedule may look different. That, you know, somebody may work at a different time. And so how do I fit this in with what we did? But we reached the point, and this is just an example, and like I'm saying, you, you don't, this is not a pattern. But we, we had all four of our children in soccer. And, uh, you know, they, they started one at a time, but it, it reached the point where they were all four in soccer, and they weren't even in competitive soccer. I mean, they were just in town soccer. But when they would have multiple practices each a week, one to two practices each a week, they would have at least one game on the weekends. And so when you have four kids, and there's all those practices, and they're on different days, (coughs) excuse me, and then there are games on the weekends, when soccer season hit... That's what was going on in soccer. Now, I was working a full-time job as a software engineer, and at that time probably a software engineering manager, and we were pastoring a church. And we looked at it, and all their, all their friends were in sports. And we looked at it and, says, and said, we, we can't do this. We didn't have our, our, our dinners were all blown up. I mean, because had, somebody had practice. And so we're just going from school. They have to get homework done. And then we're trying to run them back and forth. And then Saturdays were games. And then after Sunday, after service were games. And we were like, we have to make a decision. 
And they were all playing music and everything. And so I, 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 we, we looked at it and we said, for us, we, we talked to the kids about it. We were like, we don't see how they can do this and do other stuff at the same time. And so we made the decision to take them out of certain things in order to keep the most important things together. And it wasn't popular. And other you know, parents would be like, what? They're not playing it? They were so good. They were good. They probably weren't going to play on the World Cup team. I mean, the national team. And you got to, you know, for you, it may be really, there is a, because so many parents are like, no, my kid is the next whatever. Have you looked at how many people they put on rosters of professional teams? You know, it's not many. And, you know, then there's college and whatever. Everybody, for us, we were like, we're not going to make this decision. You may have a different path, but it doesn't, it's the same concept. You have to decide what is important and put that in, in your schedule. Other people, maybe this is very important. You know, not everybody was working a full-time job and pastoring a church either. So there's a different path that we had a path. We said, this is what we're doing. And we're focusing on certain things and instilling certain things into our children. And we feel like that's important. So we're going to do that. And so we have to make those decisions. And sometimes they're, they're tough decisions. But, you, if, but if, if you will go before God and ask him, he's going to show you what to do. He's going to show you how to do it. Praise God. Now, let me look at, let me show you something quick. I, or I don't know if it's quick, but we're going to touch on it. First Timothy 3 verse, well, hold on a sec. Let's see which one we want to go to time. I want to be efficient here. Now, uh, let's go to 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. <clears throat> I'm going to skip down several of them. Thank you. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. <laughs> you just read this list and go, check, check, check. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. doesn't say join them. You know, follow them on social media to see every move of how they're carrying this out. It doesn't say, be like all these people. It says, you, it says turn away from them. But notice, these things are, are going to come. Proverbs 30, verse 17 says, The eye that mocks the father and scorns obedience to his, his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. It's saying, you don't want to go down this path. When... When you're talking about kids, I say kids, I mean, I'm talking everybody up to 18 years old, even though, you know, you're technically adult that's in the house. Uh, it says, if you're mocking your father, scorns obedience to your mother, it's not a good ending. The ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. It's saying, you don't want to go down that path. And the world is. It's like there is no authority and parents are unequal with kids and we don't want to follow that. We said we don't want to be conformed to this world. Proverbs 29, 17 says, Correct your son, and he will give you rest. And he will give, yes, he will give delight to your soul. Correct your son, and he will give you rest. Correct your son. What does that mean? <laughs> They're doing something wrong. <gasps> My child did something wrong? Yeah, they all will test boundaries. They all will do something wrong. I'm talking about all of us. People would be like, oh, my kid never does everything wrong. That, there's several things wrong with that in numerous directions, depending on how it's coming down. Just choosing not to look at it, deceived, uh, got some kind of weird um, approach now that kids are just good out of the box, and they just do everything good, and that mankind corrupts. The Bible teaches actually the opposite that and we're going to read it a kid left to him child left to himself is going to go in the wrong direction no it's not that society is all corrupting uh 
No, they, they are going to find the wrong thing on their own. They don't need help to do the wrong thing. They need help to do the right thing, which is why they have parents. And parents are supposed to be the ones that are directing them and guiding them and helping them. You don't want your child to go down the wrong path and end up in the wrong place. Look at Romans 6, verse 20. Praise the Lord. It says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness in the end, everlasting life. So it's saying, what do you have, for the, what, what do you have to show for all the nonsense that you did when you went off and, and were slaves to sin? The answer is, you, you don't have anything good to show for it. And, um, but now you're free. Notice verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Everybody say, the wages of sin is death. Who wants that? Who wants that for their children? You don't want it. You don't want to say, oh, you're just doing so well, so well, when you're going off and you're starting to get hooked by this stuff because when they get out in the world, they're going to hit a brick wall. And in the ultimate, you know, people end up in prison in the worst case because they, they just never had something to come back and direct them. And then they just, they get out in the world and they realize there is a wall there. This is true. Well, that's in one case, there's all kinds of things in between that. Why would we want something to get ingrained in them like a rebellious attitude, like a, um, a disrespect for their parents or authorities so that when they get out in the world, they have death. They don't understand why. Well, mommy always told me I was doing great. And now I can't keep a job because they think that everything revolves around them and they never are told, no, you can't do that. No, that's not right. No, you will apologize. And the world is just like, oh, just little angels. They can do whatever they want, and they can choose to be whatever they want. I mean, it's just crazy. You don't put that kind of stuff in a three or four or five-year-old. They don't know. They need parents in every area. Now, we're just going to touch on this because we're talking about it. I know this is absolutely not popular, but you need to see the word. I'm going to, in this context, we need to touch on it. Uh, We need to see the word on it because society has gone so far from this. Look at Proverbs 13.24. It says, now we're talking about younger children here, but this, this, I felt, let's just, let's touch on this. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. What is that referring to? Spanking. <gasps> Spanking is biblical. Did you hear me? I'm going to read more scripture. That's not the only one. Spanking is loving. You know, you're talking, you don't, they're not talking about abuse. You're not talking about beating somebody. You're talking about loving spanking. The Bible teaches it. And our society for so many decades now has gone off the rails like, no, that's child abuse. No, you can't do it. And in fact, if somebody, you know, a child is taken out of the hands of the parents in the state, they will not let you spank. And it's corrupting people. And that is actually child abuse not allowing the child to be disciplined properly. Because a two-year-old will not listen to reason, but they do have a soft part on the rear that is designed by Almighty God when it is paddled to hurt but not leave any lasting injury. Not talking about knocking them across the head or beating them with a stick across the face or, or injuring them. We're talking about spanking them where they're supposed to be spanked so that they feel pain and they, they tie it together that when I do something wrong, it hurts. A two-year-old, a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old can understand that. What is that? They, they get used to 
We're not talking about all the time. When, when they rebel, when they do something they know is wrong. We're not talking about just pulling something out there. You did that. I don't like it, so I'm going to spank you. No, they understand they were not supposed to do it. They willingly did it anyway. That's rebellion, and it needs to be dealt with because if it doesn't, if it's not dealt with young, when they're 18, 19, 20, or 13, 14, 15, and they say, I'm doing it anyway, the consequences are much more serious. And so we instill it early. They do something rebellious. The Bible says you spank them. Lovingly spank them. You explain to them what they did. You spank them. Different ways you can do that. You can use your hand. You can use something else. We're not going to go into details. But it's not to hurt them. Their, their little bottom might be red for a little while, but it's not going to injure them. You guys okay? This used to be the norm. In 2022, it's like, oh, that is so wrong. It's not wrong. And look at society. Look at the craziness that we have. It's because kids grew up thinking it's okay to rebel. And then they do whatever they want, and then they get into trouble, and they, they were never trained. Now, let's look at a few scriptures. That's not the only one. It's the Word of God. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Is the Bible right or is it not? It says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. That means you let them go, and we'll read another one like this. They're going to act foolish, but they get, they get spanked lovingly. It's going to help for them to understand, and it'll drive it from them. Well, would we rather have that foolishness is driven from them or that they just live in foolishness? We want to raise a fool or we want to raise somebody godly. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to, his shame to his mother. That will contradict so many things in our society right there. A child left to himself. Well, let, their, let them decide. The Bible clearly says what will happen if you let the child decide. They're going to bring shame. A child's too young to make decisions for themselves in certain areas. So many areas. Definitely not about their gender for good night. That's just, that's crazy. That's child abuse. Did you hear me? To let, a, to let a child dress up as something that they're not, that is child abuse. They don't have the understanding. People try to put transphobic, homophobic. See, that name tries to paint you into a corner saying you're afraid of something. I'm not afraid of anything. This is the word of God. And it's actually abuse to tell a child that they're a girl when they're actually a, a male. That is actually abuse, and that's not what we're talking about. But that goes right along with this. No, you tell them what's right, you back it up, you spank them if you need to. All totally politically incorrect, but biblically sound. Proverbs twenty-three thirteen says, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. <laughs> In other words, he'll live. You're going to live. may sound like he's going to die. may throw a fit like he's going to die. But he'll live. How many of you had a spanking when you were growing up? And by definition, you are still here. Because you just raised your hand and people online, you lived. It, you know, it, it's meant to be that way. It says, let's read that again. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. You can always say that. You're not going to die. You'll live. You'll live. I know, sweetheart. You'll live. Don't do that again. You can tell him when you're done. You know, you spank him. It's not like... Don't, you don't, don't spank them in anger. Now, every, you know, I've missed it. Shelly's missed it. Every parent has probably missed it. Okay? You haven't done it perfectly. But do your best not to spank them in anger. Withdraw if you have to. Just don't, 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 don't go, because then they're going to, to tie you being angry with them with spanking. That's not, you may be angry with them. But I'm saying don't, don't let it get the best of you. Sit them down. Tell them why they're about to get a spanking. Tell them why it was wrong. Tell them you knew better. That's cre they, they have to have known better. 
You knew better. You did it anyway. I have to spank you because I love you. Not talking about abusing you because I love you. Not talking about cutting you because I love you. We're not talking about some twisted, abusive relationship. We're saying the Bible says you could show them this. I'm, I'm disciplining you because I love you and I want you to turn out right. And then you spank them. And then it's amazing how tender a child's heart is when they get, after they get spanked. They'll, they, they know they did. It cleanses them. We're going to read that. It cleanses their conscience. You explain to them. You hug them. And, and you're back on good terms. You explain to them, no, you don't want to do that because that would hurt you. Verse 14, punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. You do it because, you know, you don't take pressure from somebody else. Oh, that's not right. You have a right to do what you see fit with your child that that is biblical, that is not abuse. You have that authority still as a parent. Don't let somebody else's crazy idea about how they're going to mess with their kid influence you. And you don't need to discuss this with anybody else. It's private. It's in the, in the privacy of your own home. You do what is right, and you have every right and every authority to do it. One more, Proverbs 20, verse 30. It says, blows that hurt cleanse away evil as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Notice that. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Excuse me. It, it cleanses. Their, they know they've done wrong in this case. You spanking them actually, it's, it, it, it makes the payment. They know they've paid and they are back to neutral, and it actually strengthens your relationship. You're like, well, I don't want to push my kid away. You won't push your kid away. Amen. God is faithful. God's way works. If, if you see it in the Word of God, and you see it multiple times, if culture's telling you, no, don't do that, that's not right, they'll figure it out eventually. They're wrong. And look at society. Look at all the destruction that's in society. Look at the rebellion. It's, it's because people have brought forth ideas that they think are revelations, that they think are new, that are contrary to the word of God, and all they do is lead to destruction. But if you'll stay with the word of God and do it lovingly and walk after him, then the, what the word of God says concerning uh, children will happen. You don't have to put it up. Proverbs 26, 2, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that's what you're after. 